0: You have covid again?
1: <laughs> maybe.
0: This would be your maybe
1: your 14th
0: 30, 35th or 36th time having covid.
1: Yeah. That's probably true but
0: Have you ever had covid? No, I haven't. Right. Exactly.
1: But I tested this morning. I know. Welcome everybody. Here we are again. It is our third podcast episode. Do
0: you think we're getting good at this or?
1: I mean, I think that's for the public to decide. <laughs> you know, the general public. Um a show of hands. We uh we are here for our third episode of Here I go, getting a little nasally. Remind me why I built this? It's it's a high pitched and it's a little bit nasally and it's really questioning all of the things that you've done in an entrepreneurial journey. So um, I'm excited about today. Are you Jacqueline?
0: I am excited about today.
1: We're sitting so close to each other so close. because the past couple of recordings, we've felt a little echoey and I think it's because we are f- too far from the mic and I can't figure out how to do the two mic thing. So we're sharing a mic, which makes sense because we share water, we share a bed.
0: <laughs> we're essentially still in quarantine together. We
1: share children sharing is a theme of ours anyway
0: her shoulders are literally touching
1: yeah i wanted to start today because this is a podcast again about just kind of being honest and real and i wanted last time we started off by we did a check-in i checked in on you Mm -hmm. and you told me how things were going and then you forgot to check in on me but i just went ahead and just decided to tell you how things were going with me.
0: So do you want me to ask you how things are going with you? I was
1: actually going to start by saying that I want to acknowledge that um, yesterday we had a moment together where I was really feeling something and it was high stress for you in a moment. And I'm sharing this because again, this is part of the entrepreneurial journey and it's part of working with your spouse. And I wasn't sure how sharing my feelings and thoughts would go. And to your much to your credit, you really like took it nicely. And you, you rallied in a way I didn't expect. And it just felt really good. And working with your wife or your husband is never easy. But in those types of moments, when you go into a moment and you're not sure how it's going to go, and it goes really well it kind of changes the course of the rest of your day. So I just want to publicly acknowledge that to oh our massive publicly. following here. Um, again, to the general public, I'd like that. <laughs> and I also want to say to Jacqueline and to my mom and to my mother's-in-law and to all the other moms out there far and wide, and this year, I think more than ever, I just want to wish a very happy Mother's Day Thank to you to everybody, which is coming up. Although this recording is probably not going to release until post Mother's Day, but I just want to make sure I say it because, you know, nobody likes a husband that doesn't mention Mother's Day, right?
0: No, that's totally true.
1: So anything you want to share, Jacqueline, before we get going with our guest?
0: No, I'm excited about this guest. Me
1: too. Me too. That's what you got?
0: No, no. I mean, I, <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I'm glad that you were happy with the way that things went yesterday after our conversation but it is sort of another interpretation of what i have been telling you but with more action than
1: before so i well so i think the conversation the action sparked the action. what you needed yeah
0: okay all right
1: is this cryptic enough for everybody <laughs> basically things are great yep personally remind. professionally and just all over
0: remind uh, me why i built this
1: uh-huh you said it jacqueline Today's guest is the founder of not one business, not two businesses, but three total businesses. She is a that we know of. Yeah, she is, and we like lived off of one of them. Well, like we'll we start. Well, we're gonna parents. get into it. I don't sorry, think, sorry. Now's not the this time. is what happens. She's a New York City mom of two. She is a true hustler in like the most perfect sense of the word. She defines the phrase "can't stop, won't stop" because I feel like she's always going. Um, she's a longtime partner of state bags, not just with product, but also with our give back initiatives and events, which we'll get into, but maybe most importantly for me, she is a product of the great state of Massachusetts. She is from Cape Cod. I want to hear the accent at some point. I want to talk about all the package stores that you hit up early on in your high school career. Um, she is a human rocket and she is awesome. She is Rachel Blumenthal. Welcome to remind me Thank why you. I built this oh, oh my God, God you really mm-hmm.
2: oversold this one. Everyone's like, where's Beyonce? <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to see you guys.
1: She's coming.
2: <laughs> we, we put you ahead of Beyonce.
1: Yeah, you too. It's been years, literally.
2: I know the pandemic yes. really like put a pause in everyone's life for two years. And so nobody has seen each other or done anything. So, you know, it's nice to be returning back to the real world.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, even though it is still via screen, I'm like, I'm hugging you virtually.
1: I will say I watched your son play flag football for a couple of weeks in a row. We played before his league played because our son is is younger than yours. And that kid's a baller. And I was like, whoa, this is a whole nother, you know, style of play here. He's like, you know, dashing. He's got like all the jukes and all the moves and everything. And I was like this. I I turned to Ozzy and I was like, that's see that kid right there. That's where you want to go. See that As a true
2: son of he's a mass asshole, um, as we like to call ourselves from Massachusetts, um, <laughs> he thinks that he's going to be like the next Tom yep. Brady. And um, I don't have the heart to burst his bubble, but it's exciting to see him be passionate about something.
1: <laughs> Who's Tom Brady? I By don't the even way, we also guy. have
0: a future. What would you say, Ozzy, is a future Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum,
1: Jason Tatum? He's really yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Also, yeah. like a true asshole.
1: <laughs> Actually, Rachel, before we get into like our million questions about business, I'm curious like are your kids steering more towards Boston sports affiliation or like I mean they're like New York City born and bred, so I'm curious. And you guys are mixed too. You're like us, like one New Yorker and one Masshole.
2: Griffin, right, I said you it. Said it not um me. Griffin and basically also only people from Massachusetts <laughs> can call each other Massholes. Because, you know, it's like one of the same. Um, so Griffin Correct. loves Tom Brady and he loved the Patriots basically to piss off my husband. Um, because my brother loves the Patriots as, you know, from, from Massachusetts. Um, and now he just follows Tom wherever he goes. So whatever Tom does, Griffin is into. I would say otherwise he's a New York fan.
1: Mm. All right. Well, All that makes right. sense. We'll work through that, I guess, in therapy <laughs> or something. I don't know. Um, Speaking of, I just got back from Boston because I took my son. I surprised him at school and we drove to game two in Boston for the Celtics series. And uh, it's become a full obsession. It's it's a little bit over the top, but we're loving it. It's great.
0: Yeah, it's something good though. So in that, like for now, we'll let him shave Celtics into the side of his head and dress head to toe Celtics. But when yes. it really matters, I'll be sure <laughs> to cut the cord. True. Don't
2: worry.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. It's also one of those things where it's like such a special thing that you guys have together. Right. And it's, and it's so natural. Like I think as parents, as your kids get older, you're always trying to find the way to connect with them that comes naturally and not like super awkward of trying to get them to talk when they don't want to talk. Um, so it's nice that you guys have built that and you'll always have that.
1: And that was the pandemic. Like it was just literally sitting inside and him starting to get interested in sports. And then next thing you know, I was like, well, if we're going to watch sports, we're going to watch my teams. And then he was all into the Patriots and then he's all into the Celtics. And he's all. And I'm like, and everyone's like, you brainwashed this kid. And I was like, yeah, but like there was also COVID and we had to stay home well, and then there was nothing to do. We have
0: to have another kid because I have to have a child that is equally clothing obsessed as I am and becoming like a collector, a mini collector. So is this breaking um, news? This is, this is not breaking news. Okay, have you seen it. my closet? <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> all right.
1: Just making sure
0: neither child is as interested as me, but it's called, it's called guidance. Yes, Yes, I know. I need to start, you know, really pushing the path. Yeah. But speaking
2: of clothing, although I've created a complete monster in Gemma. So, and everyone's like, what do you expect? Like you, this is literally you reincarnate. You deserve this, you know, is that what your parents (laughs) say? I kind of love it, but it's a little scary. Do your parents say that about Gemma? Um, probably more my friends. Nice.
1: Um, okay, so I know I I we emailed about this, but the premise of this podcast, which I think you appreciated as a fellow entrepreneur who has had just the roller coaster ride of this entrepreneurial experience, is just kind of a real talk space to talk about like just the absolute trials and tribulations of starting a business, in your case, starting three businesses, but you know, just kind of like being honest and not it not always being it's this beautiful fluffy you know magical experience but you know kind of like talking about the things that kept you up at night and took years off your life and put a lot of gray hairs in your head and I'm speaking personally you look great um but i'm like literally i'm looking at myself and i have like bad like dark circles under my eyes and it's mostly
0: Battle because words.
1: of our business and also because of the person I'm in business with but like it's a it's we won't get into details so first question is just like touching on all that before Rockets of Awesome I've read that you never described yourself as entrepreneurial or and you also referred to yourself as an accidental founder so after launching three businesses do you still view yourself that way
2: it's a good question. Um, now I call myself a masochist because why would you keep doing this to yourself? Yeah um, but you know, I think for me, I didn't grow up knowing entrepreneurs, though in retrospect, I think my dad was was definitely entrepreneurial. He is a doctor, but he opened three practices and and was as much. An executive and an operator, as he was a doctor. So I think I probably got it from him a little bit without realizing it. But you know, I, I wasn't surrounded by people who just started businesses, and so I didn't have um, that sort of role model or mentorship to even know how you do it and what it looks like and what the path is. And you know, my first business, I really truly. I fell into, though, in retrospect, I also created the opportunity for myself, right? So I was working full-time at Yves Saint Laurent. I was on the PR side of the business, celebrity dressing. And Gareen's I was in this, like really green, another amazing asshole. Um, totally. I was in this incredibly glamorous environment. Um, and it was sort of this great balance of sort of creative and, and business for me. But my role in particular was not particularly creative and being in such a creative environment, I was really hungry for it. And so I made myself a ring at, you know, I went to like the bead stores in Sixth Avenue, handmade a ring. I was an economics and political science major. I have no design or jewelry training whatsoever. And I made this ring and Um, I, you know, my friends who were editors at the time saw that I was wearing it. One of them decided to feature me in Lucky Magazine. And, you know, at that moment, basically overnight, I had buyers and editors and customers that wanted this product and this brand that didn't exist. And I, you know, in retrospect, I could have just left it like that and called it, you know, truly accidental. But I guess I was excited by it. I was curious and i figured hey let's see what this could be and Mm -hmm. ultimately turn that into a jewelry brand over the course of eight years but um i think because that happened very naturally and it was very much sort of a crawl before i ran it felt less scary than you know I feeling like I had to like make this decision that overnight I was like all of a sudden going to like call myself an entrepreneur and start a business, and I think also relevant to mention, and, and you guys probably remember this too, is that back then, which was a very long time ago, it was like twenty years ago. Um, you were also not an entrepreneur; like you were just a small business. <laughs> right. That's it. Right. wasn't cool or sexy or trendy whatsoever. Totally. And, you know, I remember,
0: maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember that um, like it was carried at Scoop because I was working at Scoop and I remember that we were buying your stuff and that was like a
2: really big deal. Yeah. So we were carried at, yeah, we were at about 500 retailers worldwide. So everyone from Scoop and Intermix to Bergdorf and Henry Vendell, we did a very large business in Asia uh, particularly in Japan, and we did private label for American Eagle, Target, and J. Crew. So, you know, I really taught myself everything. I, I handmade every single piece for the first year because I didn't know where to find um, or what supply chain manufacturing looked like. I did the PR and the marketing, the sales, I was the messenger and operations and logistics. I really taught myself everything and, and built it. From nothing.
0: That's so unbelievable. Hustler.
2: Yeah, total hustler.
0: That's really like such a cool story. But also what I find so interesting about your path and like, I know we're going to get into all of this stuff, but the three businesses that you started are all so unbelievably unique. Like Cricket Circle was unbe- like, I was a new mom at that time. And that was like the Mecca. Like that's what you went to. You went to Cricket Circle to understand what you should be buying. And I even remember Cricket Circle interviewing me in the beginning. And I was like, oh my god, I made it. Like, Cricket Circle's interviewing me. This is amazing. And then to Rockets of Awesome, which is also a totally unique, totally different kind of business. And I think that that really speaks to that initial hunger that you had for creativity. Because that didn't change throughout the course of your entrepreneurial journey. I mean, you've done three very unique, very special, like totally different category types of businesses. And that's just amazing. That really is amazing.
1: That's not a question. That's just that's just a that's wow. just a wow. That's a yeah. wow.
2: I think it probably speaks to really following your passions and um, having the Opportunity to be able to spend your time focusing on the things that you're really excited and passionate about. And I do think that the best problems Mm -hmm. are solved by the people that experience them the most personally. And so, you know, all of these businesses were driven by sort of a personal pain point and experience that I had that I felt that I had a strong point of view to be able to solve for.
0: Totally. I mean, That's, that's just so spot on. And all of your brands really speak to that specifically. That's just, that's really like such a strong and valid point. Um, And so this is also a very strong and valid question. So when, where were you, what were you doing? And most importantly for someone like you and I, what were you wearing the moment you said, I'm going to start Rockets of Awesome?
2: God, I wish I remember what I was wearing. Um, I was in my kitchen sitting at the counter um, and I was on the phone with one of my investors of Cricket Circle, Kirsten Green from Forerunner Ventures. And we had been talking about this idea for some time and it was that moment that I sort of decided that I was going to do it. I also distinctly remember... Where I was and what I was wearing when I negotiated my first term sheet with my lawyer, who has been my lawyer for the last, let's say, eight or nine years. Um, So I was on the one of the one of the piers off of Hudson, uh, off of the you know Hudson River on um, the West Side Highway, and Neil and I were taking a walk. We were talking about. Um, the business. We were talking about the fundraising plan and the process. And I was wearing this yellow Sakai shirt, which I still own, and um, took a call with my lawyer, Ken McVeigh from Gunderson to negotiate the term sheet. So I do remember that very specifically wow
1: this is so funny like we've we've done this now three times and the last guest jack asked the same question like she started this unbelievable hair salon that's like blowing up and i'm thinking there's no way she's going to remember what she was wearing and you like may not have remembered the exact moment she asked but like you if someone asked me that question i'd be like um a shirt i think definitely a shirt And I was definitely wearing pants and shoes, and that's it. Like the 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 brand name identity, like that's crazy to me. But that's why it was a perfect question for you both. Um, Totally. So
0: because I remember what I was wearing when.
1: Okay. I
0: do. I remember what I was wearing because it was actually a big day for me in the office—the day that I was. Wait,
1: what specifically? Like when I'm going
0: to tell you when we when someone connected about being interviewed for Cricket Circle.
1: You remember what you were wearing that day? Yes, because it
0: was a big day. And I remember someone was there and they had complimented what I was wearing. I'll tell you. It was that the first time Scott gave me his credit card, I went to a store called Ott. Do you remember that store? Well, anyway. Of course, yeah. (laughs) I bought myself the Alexander Wang skirt that ties like sleeves around your waist. Yes. I was wearing that. I was wearing that with a polka dot shirt. Um, I think I might've been wearing jeans under it too, which is like, so a time and a place. But anyway,
1: I was wearing, I was wearing that skirt,
0: which was the first thing I ever bought on Scott's
1: card. <laughs> Great. Yep. Yeah, Winning. We're, and we're still paying it off. Still <laughs> paying it off to this day, nine years later. Um, all right. So touching on just the, the realness that we try and capture with this type of show, give us like a moment. Or a, a hilarious story or something where after you launch Rockets of Awesome, you're getting traction, you're getting pressed, things are starting to happen. you you're like building a team, you raise money, you have a business where all of a sudden you're like, what did I do? I don't know what's happening, you know, that kind of thing. We have a zillion. So
2: Okay, so I'm going to take you to a really dark place. Um, and this was years and years, years into Rockets of Awesome. Um But we had the opportunity to sell the business, and um, we had gone through a very long process with the potential acquirer. They were very close to the business. Um, There was a lot of um, strategic planning happening, all of this to say that um, we had spent a tremendous amount of time both on diligence, getting to know the team. Um, talking about what integration looked like. You know, it was like very far gone. And at the 11th hour, they pulled out of the deal. And you can imagine, you know, for for a venture-funded business, right, you basically operate like hand-to-mouth in terms of how long your venture funding lasts for. And typically when you run a process, you parallel pack lots of different options in case something like this happens, right, because we're all – planners of the worst. And that is basically what you have to do as somebody that's operating a business. You plan for the worst. Um, In this particular case, we did not parallel path because the potential acquirer was so close to the business. There was such um, a level of trust and integration and so forth that we we were concerned that if we went in parallel path it we didn't want to risk the trust of the relationship. So we didn't. At the eleventh hour, they pulled out of the deal. The deal fell through, and in that moment, your world just comes crashing down. And you think about every single stakeholder involved in your business, your team, your investors, your customer. You know your your identity, um, everybody that you're responsible for, and It was the darkest of days. I remember there were two weeks where I basically thought, felt like I was like a walking zombie, observing my own funeral. Like it was just I can't even describe. Um, And we had to, you know, we told the team within a day or two of it happening, you know, we had to come up with, you know, like basically like a full crisis plan. Tell the team, you know, people are like puddles on the floor, crying, you know, it was just one of the most horrible moments. And in that moment, you're like trying to balance between, I can't believe this is how you go th- you basically go through like every level, every, every sort of phase of grief that you read about, right? Or when somebody dies, you go through phase of grief. It was exactly like that. You go through like shock, and then anger. And then, you know, I don't know the order of them, but it was like shock and anger and sadness and disbelief and sort of all of the things. Um, And I remember like every night I'd come home from work from the office and I would see my kids and I'd be like, okay, like they are, they're like the glimmer of sunshine, be distracted by them. And they, it was distracting, but it was also like so hard to put on a good face in that period of time. And You know, eventually you come out of it, but it's those moments where you're like, I can't believe this is really happening. And I need to be the leader in this situation. I need to put on, you know, a a strong face. I need to show the team that I'm going to lead us through this moment of complete shock and instability. And they're looking to me and they're looking at every move, every facial expression, every decision. Um, You're navigating, you know, the inevitable, like, did they, you know, did they know that this was going to happen? Are they just telling us now, like, all of these questions your team must have? Um, And underlying and all that, you're trying to sort of reconcile it for yourself. Um, So it was a horrible, horrible time. Um, I think that One of the moments I'm most proud of in the business is really being able to um, regroup and rebuild after that happened and incredibly proud of the team for being able to rise to the occasion to do it. But it was really, really horrible.
1: I was going to say, I was going to mention you touched on it, but being a parent in those moments is so challenging. And then like for us, like we're in it together, we've had so many like Sitting Shiva type days where it's like things happen with the business and it's so heavy and so intense and you just have to rise to the occasion for your kids when you walk in the door they walk in the door and it's like oh my god it's it's like you have to step out of your body into another one and just pretend and I don't know it's so challenging
0: and honestly I feel like we lived that feeling that you felt when it all like came crashing down for ultimately like two years of the business. And I feel like this is such a, like a very like visceral feeling, like hearing you talk about it. Like I totally understand how you felt in that moment. Like I totally, I know the feeling, I know the way my fingertips felt like I lived outside of my body for two years. And like, I felt that it had disconnected me from everything. Like I couldn't Even focus on anything other than state and making it survive. And it was like, I always say this now because the business is thriving and like we're just leading in a totally different way, but like it almost killed me. I mean, and I think that that's like a very important piece of like this journey is that like the lows are so low.
1: And us, it almost killed us. It almost
0: killed us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now here we are sitting shoulder to shoulder, (laughs)
1: literally. (laughs) I just want a second mic so bad, but I can't figure out how to do it. I can't <laughs> afford it.
2: Yeah. So, and there's we're using, a budget here. And
1: we're using our kids' headphones, by the way.
2: I recognize <laughs> These them. These are the airport headphones. headphones also.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They don't fit our heads right, <laughs> but they're matching. So it's cool.
0: So this is actually perfect. So after all of that craziness happened again, which like I said to you, because I did speak to you at one point in time, and I was like, please reach out to me because I I know how you feel, and I'm like I could totally be a person that you can scream on the phone with, and I will be like I'm with you. But was there a moment after that when you said to yourself, "I'm smarter and I'm better at this than I ever thought I would be"?
2: Yeah, um, so many moments. You know, I think that you know, listen as as entrepreneurs, and I think particularly for women, um, you know, I think we have this sort of like imposter syndom- syndrome syndrome. And it's, it's these moments where you work, you're working through the storm and you're like fighting the fires. And then you have a moment of clarity where you're like, man, I'm like really awesome at, you know, A, B, and C. And I'm a ninja at, you know, whatever (laughs) these things are that you've decided, that you have sort of clarity to and then, you know, even sometimes I'll be like, but am I? Because like I got us in this predicament, you know, and I try to sort of give myself the credit in that moment. But yeah, I mean, you know, I think the the beauty of being an entrepreneur is that it is like the most intensive, greatest MBA you could ever give yourself. Like I think it is truly such an educational gift to grow as a human and, I don't know, you know, I think, you know, it's really that the learning curve is just so much steeper, right? And so everything that you learn, um, much of it sort of self-taught or obviously learned on the job, but most of it that we learn um, is learned on the job. And so, and because it is self-taught, you know, I think sometimes you, I would sort of second guess myself and say like, well, is this the way you do this thing? Or, of like, I just convinced myself that, like, that's the way we do it and that's the way you should do it. And, you know, that could be anything from recruiting to and building culture to, you know, marketing strategies, whatever it is. Like, it could be across any aspect of your business. But I think what you learn is that you just learn things really, really fast. You have a, you know, basically like learn it or crash mentality. And, then you're a ninja, and you're like, I can go in and solve these problems for so many other people. And you know, for me, I feel like it is my responsibility to now help other entrepreneurs avoid all of the pitfalls that I've experienced. And if I don't do that, then I'm not giving back. And you know, I spend probably at least 25% of my time advising entrepreneurs and not because they pay me, but because I really feel as though it's like truly my responsibility to give back because I wouldn't be where I am if people hadn't helped me along the way. We're fighting over the microphone to I respond to that. One. I, go ahead. <laughs> no,
0: I was just going to say
1: How could I not jump in and give back? I know. Back? I know on, you're
0: right. Go. You're right. I know. I know. We're, of course. Go but, ahead. But that, I, I I totally also agree with that because anytime someone asks me for advice, I'm like, Oh, my God. Yes. And I think that that is like something that we all love to do, because if you can help someone to avoid that feeling that low, like you you really have done something very special. You have really done something to help that person. If you can give them that one nugget, it's like it's really game changing. And I also feel like you probably look around at your team and think to yourself, like, I brought this crew together and they're people that you lean on, you know, when things get hard. And so that also, I always think when I look at my team, I'm like, I'm smart because I hired all these people, you know, (laughs) to help me to get to this better place. And so another like, you know, moment to look around and reflect and be like, you know, I built this team. We're all going through this together or whoever is left in this moment, we're going through this together. And like, you're sharing this, you know, experience of these resources together. But in in actuality, it's like your energy. It's your world that they're all like sort of orbiting on. And I feel like that's that's another moment to just look at and be like, I'm so smart. I'm so good at this.
2: (laughs) Well, this is like so nerdy. But after this happened, I had a number of employees Slack me, email me, text me. Basically, like the nicest messages you could ever imagine, like full ugly face tears messages. And I saved all of them and put them in a document called testimonials. And when things are really bad, I'll read it and be like, oh, like I was pretty good. Like I did, you know, like I do some things that are good, you know, and it, it really helps a lot.
0: Now you can speak, Scott, because you can really directly speak to that.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I, I, I love the testimonials document. I actually have one that I've made recently about Camp Power and, and stuff that's happened there. But um, I really want to shine a light. You mentioned giving back because I, I have to mention that we have done like so many give back initiatives across the country in d- with different kids, different organizations, different states, whatever. I've reached out to you, Rachel, so many times and said, like, hey, if if there's any product or anything you guys can donate, you know, we're doing this thing in Dallas with the American Airlines and the Cowboys and blah, blah, blah. Like, and always, literally every time you've been like, absolutely, we'll send sweatshirts, we'll send, um, you know, beanies, T-shirts, whatever it is, hats. Like, and in addition to the fact that, you know, our collaborations in the past have always resulted in... Two like we've done so many bag drops, but I would say the two rockets of awesome drops we've done are incredibly memorable in my mind.
0: That, that first one was the first
1: outrageous. one in Brooklyn was so great, Ugh, and then that
2: first one, yeah,
1: and then the second one so too. Great. Like oh the second God. one outside, like, like
2: they are so feel yeah. good and so energizing, and you're like hype team is the is the most fun to be around, and <laughs> they make everyone feel so included, like never do the kids feel like, you know, like, like, you know, woe is me or like a charity case. Like it just feels like a really, really happy, great day. That's about celebrating individuality and creativity and these kids like being them, their best selves. And and that's what we loved so much about it.
1: I mean, I, I have to tell you, like, I also felt like, you know, the energy was always so great at those events because your team specific, talk about individuality, like your team, I remember just like dancing and like coming, like all jazzed up and like,
0: with the and, jackets.
1: Yeah. The jackets and the kids, the kids feed off of that. So like, we've had some events with like <laughs> some corporate stiffs and like the kids are like, our pack men and women are awesome. But the, you know, the group that we're doing it with is like not so. I think it's kind of a, it was a product of, you know, your guys team. But what I was going to mention is that at both of the events, I believe you got up and spoke in front of, you know, hundreds of kids, you know, I think one was in Williamsburg and the other was in um, Brownsville or somewhere around there, Crown Heights um, in Brooklyn. And I asked you to think about and prepare, you know, like a talk about, we always had our special guests speak to the kids about what they carry in their bag, right? So like the, everybody gets a bag at a bag drop, obviously. So what's something you carry in your bag that, you know, you bring with you every day, whether it's true or not, or metaphorical. And I loved what you shared with the kids. And I was wondering if you remember it and if you could share it now. Oh God. Because it was great. I
2: have no memory. I have no memory. But <laughs> if I were to guess, I would say probably like a Swiss army knife. And the reason I say that is because um, I've just always been somebody who has been very resourceful and really tried to make the most of the resources that I had. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, in retrospect of you know, in particular building my first business where... You know, I wasn't a trained jewelry designer. I'd never made a piece of jewelry before. Um, Or I even think back to like, you know, I was a competitive figure skater. So, like the skating outfits that I used to have made, or like, you know, my outfits for school, or even, you know, like my furniture in college, like all these things, like nobody went to the store and bought me like the new fancy thing. Like, I would be very creative in building, making, designing, and recreating what I envisioned I wanted it to be. And so it makes me, even today, like an incredibly resourceful person. Um, And so I I like to think that it was maybe something like a Swiss Army knife that enables me to, like, you know, if a light bulb is out or – the water filter and my sink is broken. Like, I don't want someone else to do it. I want to be able to do it for myself. I really like to be able to be self-reliant and resourceful. And I think that that um, has helped me, enabled me to build what, I, what I've what i built. But also, it also helps me sort of create a value set around how I think about values and culture for the businesses that I've built and how I like to sort of develop team members.
1: I love it. This, this was among the many moments of bag drops that were my favorite. Like we've had rappers, athletes, you know, business owners, CEOs, whatever, get up in front of these kids. And I love watching, like the, I used to love watching the kids just listen and watch them process the information, like, especially at your guys' backdrop Cause like you're the leader of this company with these like silver bomber jackets and like, you know, you these kids are looking around like all these people work for this company. And she started it. and especially watching the little girls listen to you as the, the leader of this business. I would just see these like wheels turning. Like I can do this. Like, you know, what she's saying right now is hitting. And that's why I would always like really try and peg people down to to speak to the kids in this way about this in particular, because they could always find commonality with whoever was speaking. I mean, obviously growing up in Cape Cod versus, you know, Crown Heights, Brooklyn is very different, but at the same time, like everybody's, anything is possible and everybody's capable and everybody can figure out the tools. So I love, I love that you did that both times. I think that was very memorable. Go ahead, Jack.
0: And also I think you nail it, you know, when you say Swiss army knife, because even like what we were talking about earlier with your three different companies, like those are three totally different Businesses told three totally different skill sets in, like, you know, imagining them. And I think that that's, you know, how you present yourself in life. Like, even when I see you on Instagram, which is the only way I see you really now, like, you do, you dress very creatively and you always have something that stands out that's very unique and different. And the first thing with Rockets of Awesome, aside from the name, And the branding was that bomber jacket. I mean, that was such an incredible, like, first vision of what that company was going to be. And you can see you behind that. Um, And I think that that's so cool. And it actually really does perfectly dovetail into the next question because I always wonder, like, who in your world like, was like that? Did, where did you get that from? And this question is actually one that Scott wrote. So who is the most influential person in your life? But more like, was there, is there like something in the tree that's hanging with a silver bomber jacket?
2: You know, there has not been one person. I think that, you know, you talk about growing up in Cape Cod and, you know, people think about, you know, Dawson's Creek and this sort of like idyllic place to grow up. And in, in many ways, it was very idyllic and that it was very easy and small town and like not competitive. But it was, um, there's no culture there, right? And so I grew up in a place where I always joked that like all I did was like look at trees all day long and people were like, oh my God, you're so lucky. Like now I'm in a city, like how could you not appreciate that? But for me, that was torture. Like to me, that was the boringest thing on the planet. And I was so desperate to get to a city, to be surrounded by different inputs, to be inspired and to learn and um, to really sort of like understand what else was out there. And so the minute I could graduate from college and move to New York City, that is where I was going to be. And I think my biggest inspiration or my biggest sort of like mentors have really just been... All the different people I've had the fortune of interacting with throughout my entire life and career, and trying to learn as much from them as possible along the way. You know, I always say that it's so important to just be curious and to ask questions. And the more that you can learn, the better. The more that you can share ideas and ask what people do. And, you know, I always say when people join the team, Make sure that you not only meet everybody, but don't just say like, oh, what's your role? Oh, I'm like the director of marketing. What does that mean? Like, what do you actually do, right? Because I think that as even somebody who's now been right working for over 20 years, I still meet people and I'm like, okay, that's like a big fancy title, but like, what do you actually do, right? Because everyone does something different under that title at different companies. And I really wanted to understand what was out there And what did that mean for me? And um, I think it was more the inputs of lots of different people than one individual person.
0: That's awesome. And I I always actually say the same type of thing because that is like when, you know, like, because like really actually we're in a very similar situation right now where um, we're only looking at trees because we're living on the North Fork of Long Island from, you know, living in Brooklyn and I'm born and bred New Yorker. Um, and so I'm really only looking at trees and sometimes horses and chickens. And so I can really understand and appreciate the value of being inspired. And it also makes me think a lot about the people that were around you know, when I was growing up and who I am now and how I've grabbed so many things from so many different people and have made that like very unique me. Um, I I, I do always wonder, like, you know, I said, like, where did it come from? You know, that kind of thing. But the people who do grab the best of everyone that they come in contact with, like that to me makes like a real character. You know, that like really, to me, builds like a lot of really strong character and a character. Um, So that's awesome. Thank you for sharing
1: that. Um, I have a I'm interested to hear the answer to this question. Actually, my parents just walked in their room about an hour early. um, And this touches on my question. But my dad um, was kind of a well-known guy in the New England area when I was growing up. Um, and because of that, I was always kind of hesitant and like even a little scared to follow in his footsteps because he was is so beloved. So your husband and his company have been unbelievably successful. He is now a public figure and in that process. So I'm wondering, has that privately been challenging, or has that like been the perfect fuel to your fire? being married to Jacqueline's new, I wear that she's now proudly wearing.
2: (laughs) I noticed them, I like them. Now that I am over 40, I'm starting to need glasses too. And he's like, Could you just wear the glasses instead of you know being that person that takes out the light at the restaurant? He's like, it's so embarrassing. Um, but you know, I think that I think it helped that I was the original entrepreneur in the family, and so I had built and run the jewelry company before Warby launched. And so I think that that helped that I had some of that experience and sort of confidence as an entrepreneur. I would say that one of the, one of the challenges has been that people don't take you as seriously. Um, I find that, you know, particularly when I would fundraise for the business, people would say, to, you know, investors would legitimately say to me, you know, your husband's very successful. Um, why are you doing this? Mm. Mm. And to me, that was one of those questions where I was like, I, I understand the question, but I want you to hear yourself ask that question because it is so embarrassing. That you think that that's like an acceptable question to ask yeah. me. Um, or they would say, you know, you're a mom. How do you spend your time? And they were saying it not only because I was a mom and I was a woman, but because they knew him. And, you know, I would look them dead in the eye when I would say exactly the way my husband spends his time. I work. That's what I do, you know? And so I think that, you know, some of his success has been challenging for me to be taken seriously. Obviously, his success and, you know, his team has been incredibly valuable to me over the years where... I have lots of really, really smart people that I can go ask very specific tactical questions to and learn from. Um, I am seeing, and I didn't realize this would be a thing, but I am seeing that it's actually becoming a little bit of potentially like a detriment for Griffin. Um, So Griffin is our 11 year old, he's in fifth grade. He is like the highest of high achievers. Um, but he is also very, very hard on himself. He's totally type A, you know, first child. And his biggest stress in life right now as an 11-year-old is that he doesn't have a business idea. And I can tell that, like, he is like, oh, my God, how am I ever going to be as successful as Daddy someday? And that breaks my heart. But then the other part of me is like, okay, so how do you find the balance between – teaching your child to work really hard and persevere and work towards something that they really want and they're passionate about versus them feeling like they're never going to achieve enough and never be good enough. And I don't know what the answer is to that, but it's something that I'm anticipating that we will continue to navigate.
1: Well, I think there's a work ethic there that he's seen that he's going to, like he already has in him and he's watched you both hustle and really grind to get to where you are, which I think is invaluable. Um, but you know, I have some therapists to talk about this specifically, uh, when he's interested, cause this has kind of been my path. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really tricky as the son or daughter or whatever of someone who's been, you know, really, really successful and, you know, um, Yeah, it's, it's, I do think
0: though, the, the, the most important lesson is work ethic. Like if you have a strong work ethic, it will all come to you. Even if you're working for someone and you don't have a great idea, like your work ethic is what's going to make you successful if you have that drive. And I think that's a very important message to, to carry on. Cause I always say that about Scott. I'm like, he is the hardest worker. I mean, nonstop.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I work to give all our profits away though. That's, 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 what's always fun <laughs> <laughs> I make the money. And then I work to just push that's it out. That's very the
2: door. altruistic of you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It's something. So I, I wanted to mention this one thing, cause I, I read an interview with you or listened to a podcast or something leading up to this. And you talked about um, the moment when you were on the way to the hospital about to give birth to your second child. And you're on the phone with an investor. And that hit home for us because we actually had our second child the day our press release hit about our Beyonce collaboration. This was like, I remember posting on Instagram, like holding my son an hour after posting about Beyonce partnering with State Bags and being like, this is officially the biggest day of my life. Like, And I was holding Ozzy and talking on the phone to press about this whole initiative and partnership. And this was great because Jack is like in the delivery room and she's like, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry. He's doing, he's got to do this. He's got to do this. And this is like, this is the most wild thing. So talk about this experience of it, you're in a cab, you're in an Uber, like where, where are you and what's happening that you're like fully in labor with an investor on the phone.
2: And I think and only I, an entrepreneur could right, understand. Only an entrepreneur. And, and so I will come to that, but I think that that's also the other thing. Right. And I think the beauty of, having your significant other also be an entrepreneur is that you understand each other's life and path and experiences and demands better than anybody. And so there's never the question of why do you have to take that call or why do you have that meeting or why do you have to fly there for, you know, six hours or whatever it is. There's just this very natural understanding and this and this support of yeah, you have to take that risk and jump off that bridge and see if it's going to work, and it might not, and it's not going to be your fault if it does, right? So I think that that is a tremendous benefit of Neil and I both being entrepreneurs. But yeah, I was I was in labor, I was um, on the way to the hospital. Actually, no. I was, I was in labor. I was already at the hospital. Thankfully, I'd already had my epidural because if I hadn't, I would not have been able to speak. I, I'm like one of those like until the epidural, I should just breathe. Otherwise, bad things will happen. So i had had the epidural and then I was like, <laughs> I'm cool. I can now like get through the last five things on my to-do list before this baby comes. And I was speaking to an entrepreneur, I mean a, an investor about that round that we were gonna do right before we launched Rockets of Awesome. So um and to me it was like no big deal. And I was like, you know, I'm in I'm in labor, I'm at the hospital. Do you think we can talk about this tomorrow? And he was like, oh my God, I like what is wrong with you? Let's talk in like a month. And I was like, no 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 I'll call you tomorrow, you know? Totally.
0: My fourth day like with Ayla in my life. So day one out of the hospital, I had uh, like one of our first product meetings oh, yeah. we had just gotten the samples and so i like they, they told me while i was in the hospital i'm like i know i want to come to the office so bad but i'm in the hospital like did they I just come the-. to us they came to our house they'll be like oh well in that case we'll come to brooklyn and i was like well thank you for She's that Like
1: nursing, but like, like
0: yes yeah. day four like wearing the same lululemon <laughs> pants for eight weeks straight
2: and they came to the house. Thank God. But
1: we burned them afterwards. Yes. And
2: I think, you know, Um, and I think that's We're going to let you go,
1: Rachel. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I
2: was going to say, I mean, I think that's the one thing that's really hard about being an entrepreneur and being a leader is that, you know, I never took maternity leave. And, you know, for me, that was a choice. I decided that, you know, I was so passionate about what I was doing. I'm you know, very impatient and like wanted to be in it and just like love it so much. And it gives me such energy and joy and, um, and inspiration every day that like, for me, that was what I wanted to be doing. And I found sort of the middle ground of, no, I was not in the office. No, I wasn't on every call, but I was very actively still running the business. And, you know, I've, I've had a lot of conversations with people over the years that, Actually, that can be that's that could be considered not great leadership. That you don't show, you know, your your team, and particularly the women on your team, that women should take maternity leave and dads should take paternity leave. And it, it's it's always something that's stuck with me because in some ways I feel guilty about it, and maybe I've sort of validated why I chose not to, but. You know, it is, it's definitely sort of like a a decision that's important for people to make and understand why they make it.
0: That is such a valid point. And I did the same. I didn't take a maternity leave. Um, Same as you, energized by it, love it so much, couldn't stop. Um, And it has occurred to me also recently when Scott and I decided that we were going to move to California, which I'm not sure if you know, but we're moving to California in a couple of weeks. And, um, I was so nervous to tell the team because I was like, oh my God, I don't want them to think I'm not going to be focused. I don't want them to think that anything is going to change aside from the time difference, like blah, blah, blah. And individually, a couple of people on the team came to me and they were like, I'm so happy that you're doing this because it's going to be amazing for you and your family, but also you're leading the right way. You're telling us that like, we could be anywhere and that's okay. As long as we're in it, you know, and as long as we believe in it and we want to Continue to do it, like that, we could be anywhere. And that's like such an important message if that's the kind of company that you want to have. And it's a real reversal, you know, like it's not that great to be so busy, is what everyone's saying right now. Like it's okay to have downtime. And that's like a real, like, real shift and also goes back to the beginning or like when we were just talking about like being women and like thinking that that's what we have to do in order to prove ourselves and it just shows like how much the tide is turning that like you know we can lead we can also take time off you know and and those two things can exist together and that's that's really like telling of the times and I'm very happy about that actually
1: yeah I, I mean, I'm still on paternity leave. I think after COVID, he's still furloughed. Yeah. Um, so we've taken up a lot of your time. I I just want to ask one final question to bring it all back. You talked about like you know the ultimate low of like a business owner, definitely some highs and continued highs. So I'm going to ask you again. Remind us why you built this. Bring it back. Like I, I think about it all the time. What's the constant reminder that keeps you going?
2: I'm definitely a masochist. Um, no, I mean I I do this, I build this, I keep building it because I I truly love building things. And I think that I have learned that over the years in, in having some sort of perspective of my path, of all the aspects of my businesses that I've been involved with over the years. I have this really, this newfound sort of understanding that I love building. I actually don't love the steady state. I love building from the beginning, the ground up from zero and really creating. And to me, that is the most energizing. It's the most exciting. It's the uncharted water. It's the, you know, everything is possible. And then I love sort of as you're building, you're learning and you're educating yourself and you're creating limitations for which to build within. And for me, that problem-solving aspect combined with the creativity is what I love the most and get the most joy from.
0: Amazing.
1: Preach. I love it. Great answer. Rachel, thank you for taking the time. It was great to see you. One day back in Brooklyn together at a bag drop where we can hear about your Swiss army knife I and hope so.
2: I change really do. some
1: lives, but it's been, it's been great talking to you. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you both so much. It was so good to see you. And I'm excited about your new journey. That's really, really exciting. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's so nice to be able to connect with people who have also been there and, know the lows and the highs and um, you know we keep doing it because there's obviously a passion there totally a the love, a it's like love. that
1: it's like that good golf shot <laughs> you shoot like 90 over par but you just hit that one shot and it brings you back that's kind of the that's that's entrepreneurism <laughs> well happy Mother's Day yes, I hope on the Mother's
2: first. day thank you you too
1: Thanks again Rachel we'll talk to you soon.